Welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves. Through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences, we're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way that you never have before, but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. I am just thrilled beyond belief to have my guest today, Perdita Finn. Perdita, thank you so much for joining the show today. Gertrude, thank you for having me on. It feels like, I feel like knowing I was going to talk to you today, I just kind of exhaled like, oh, you, you know, you bring so much warmth and nourishing love to all of us. And I just happy to sit in its glow. Okay. Well, now you're making me cry. So that's, (laughs) that's okay. We like that. But um, that means so much. Thank you, Perdita. And I was too. I was like, this is like one of the highlights of my week for sure. I'm like, oh, Yay. All right. Well, in case I know we're having this little love fest because and we know each other well. And Perdita and her husband, Clark Strand, were on the show. Um, gosh, when did that air? In January or February of this year, um, beginning of the year sometime. So I strongly suggest also listening to that episode and anywhere where you can listen to, read, and we're going to talk all about the the really wonderful things that Perdita's doing, and then along with her husband and her daughter. Because I did get my copy of your daughter Sophia Strand's novel, The Madonna Secret, which I now finished your book and I'm just starting to read hers, which I know is going to be amazing. So writers, all of this, let me say a little bit to give you, you know, you all a sense of Perdita and the work that she's doing and and then we'll carry on from there. All right. Perdita Finn is the co-founder with her husband, Clark Strand, of the non-denominational international fellowship, The Way of the Rose which inspired their book, The Way of the Rose, The Radical Path of the Divine Feminine in the Rosary. In addition to extensive study with Zen masters, priests, rabbis, shamans, and healers, she apprenticed with the psychic Susan Saxman, with whom she wrote The Reluctant Psychic. Finn now teaches popular workshops on getting to know the dead, in which participants are empowered to activate the magic in their own lives with the help of their ancestors and is the author of Take Back the Magic, Conversations with the Unseen World. She lives with her family in the moss-filled shadows of the Catskill Mountains. So welcome again, Perdita. And we did just mention your book, Take Back the Magic, which as we're recording this in September is launching uh, the following Tuesday. So I'm kind of getting you just Pre, pre-birth, I call it like, you know, yeah, pre- you know, I'm at that moment where you just <laughs> yeah. can't wait to hold the baby in your hands. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I've had the immense um, honor and privilege to have received an advanced copy. Um, so I've read the book and I now um, know what a treat it is, what a gift it is to the world. And I'm so glad I had the opportunity to do that before we talked because there's a lot that it stirred up for me personally um, that you know we can dig into a little bit. But I'd love to just hear you just open-ended kind of share about 
you, this book, your journey. I mean, there's so much. You just, whatever well, comes to mind for you is great. You know, this book, you know, I'm 61 years old. And I think I've been working on this book my whole life. And and I think that maybe I started writing it when I was 19. You know what I mean? Like maybe sure. that was the moment it began, but I didn't have the words to explain my experience. And I didn't have the teaching to metabolize the things I was beginning to see. But yeah, this book I've been working, I've been actively working on it for the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, as I describe in the book, it is about how I very intimately and personally recovered my ancestral collaborations and how I began talking to those on the other side. I'm not psychic. I'm not, I'm not someone who sees dead people. And yet most psychics I know will say that everyone is sick. Mm -hmm. And so for me, learning how to access those communications, I began to help other people be able to do what I had learned how to do. And in fact, we are all psychic. Yeah. We can all be in touch with our loved ones and our not so loved ones. Well, right. The our <laughs> not so loved ones in in this lifetime, right? And the experiences we have with them that can be very different, as you describe in your book, when you start getting in relationship with them on the other side. And just to kind of jump right in, uh, I'll share that there's a lot about healing, being with your relationship with your father in this book. And it's very moving and personal and very vulnerable. So thank you for being so transparent and honest with it because it led me, I've done a lot of work with my father. He passed um, 2013. So he passed in 2013. There was a lot, you know, we worked on things before he left. I, you know, shared truths, worked on kind of clearing with him and there was a lot of negativity surrounding that man. Um, a lot of like, kind of like just fear and hate for the world and, you know, just not pleasant really almost ever. But I always knew there was this other side to him and we'd argue, he was atheist also, you know, and very much oh, yeah. like- I mean, I feel like I'm hearing my, my, right? I know. <laughs> my experience mirrored. The similarities were quite- you know, quite palpable for me with your relationship with your father. And, you know, we, we didn't have huge debates or arguments, but since my mom had raised us Catholic, like I, you know, but then even after that, when I kind of claim my own spiritual path and, you know, very much uh, believe in, in our souls and our journeys and, you know, there's this lifetime and there's more, and, you know, we'd kind of argue about it. He was very much a religion's the opiate of the people and, you know, when you die, you die. And that's it. You know, there is no more. But when on it, just being with this just brought back for me and it, it, I'm feeling a little moved by it again now because he, he passed. I wasn't with him. I was in Chicago. I was that I was leaving that day to go see him, but he passed before I left. And, <clears throat> and then that night he came to me in a dream and said, you were right. There is a heaven. And it just was so real, you know, like, and I, I would kind of try and dismiss it a little bit, you know, <laughs> like, oh, that, you know, whatever, that was me. But every time I speak about it, I am so moved and I'm like, okay, you know, and then there were further things, but without sharing, I, and I'm happy to share more, like some things that happened in between, but particularly as I was nearing the end of your book, um, I had an experience that I had never had before, which was connecting with him and him saying how sorry he was. And since then have had like 
images, interactions with him of him being a different person and what that would have been like. And my little girl, like with him in those spaces. So what was his name, Gertrude? His name was Frank. Well, he went by Frank, but it was Francis Robert Lansfield. You know, I sometimes say the patriarchy doesn't even work for the patriarchs. <laughs> it doesn't make them very happy. You know, I mean, this book is about how I healed with my father after he died. Mm. But, you know, on the one hand, he was he was what the patriarchy most wants. You know, the the athlete, the surgeon, the sailor, the, you know, up by your bootstraps guy, you know, child of immigrants. And yet that word that jumped out to me when you were talking about your father was fear. Yeah. There was so much fear. And I mean, sometimes I say if my book is about anything, it's how we can cultivate faith within us so we don't have to be so afraid. Mm. And I think yeah. that I watched my father's life just circling around this fear in his heart the whole time. No matter, there was never enough. It couldn't touch it. And yeah, like you, I've had profound experiences oh my, my father after he died. And uh, you know, it begin the book begins as people will discover when they read it, finding out my father cut me out of his will, which is a very hard I was thing. Like, oh. I know, right? <laughs> Imagine uh, how I felt when I first heard those no, words. I can't even it's like in the movies, right? Like like you just don't think people really do that and they do. And you're like oh. And it's really hard to do it, Gertrude. You have to go to you have to use really explicit violent language to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like because there's wow, so many legal challenges you can do. So it was very painful to read it. And yet the strange thing is my stingy, resentful, upset father has become on the other side, generous mm. beyond measure. Like it's a joke in our family now. If you need financial <laughs> help, you ask Matt Finn, you know, he's the guy. <laughs> he, and he was somebody like, who never got me birthday presents or he just wasn't yeah. generous. He'd, he'd never felt like he had enough. And now he's so generous to me and mm. so loving and, and it, it, what I always say is that the personalities on the other side don't change. I mean, he's still a, <laughs> you know, he's still, I think he's still a bit of a son of a bitch, you know, on the other yeah. side. He's yeah. a competitive, complicated guy. But what changes, I think, when we die is our perspective. Mm. I think we, we see um, all the ways we didn't love enough, all the ways we didn't, all the ways our fear got in the, in the way of our faith. And I sometimes say that my work is about learning to see with the eyes of the dead while I'm still alive. Mm. So yeah. when I die, I don't have regrets. Yeah. That's you know? really beautiful. You know, yeah, our mutual, yeah. uh, right? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to get to the other side and go, oh, what a screw up. <laughs> I screwed I know. up. What a waste of time that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But to know that we have access to those spaces and learn, like, I never thought of that as a way to like learn from the dead or our ancestors is their perspective. Right. I, I, and it's not like it's a wildly like new or out there perspective, but it's an important perspective, you know, and one that we can cultivate here is what I'm hearing you say. Absolutely. Absolutely. If we really, and, and, you know, to talk about mothering, which you talk about a lot, yeah. I sometimes say, 
that what the dead realize, what they real, what we all realize when we die, is we've all been each other's mothers for countless lifetimes upon lifetimes, whether we're male or female in this life, or have children or not. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean to awaken to the knowledge that we've all been each other's mothers while we're alive? How would we treat each other? I mean, what would it look like to live in a world where everyone could remember that we've all been each other's mothers? You know, that, well, I just want to pause for a second and let us think about that, right? And and see what what's possible because as, you know, you're familiar with the work I do, but in Rewrite the Mother Code, you know, I want to bring the stronger sense that we all mother, you know, whether you know, giving birth to a child is just one way, beautiful way, pretty miraculous and cool. And it's, it has its own set of experiences, as you know, um, but it, it isn't the one way. And, you know, particularly as women to know that our, our worth and our purpose, and, you know, we weren't just put on this earth or we're not here on this earth just to spit out babies, you know, or, push out babies. I know we don't spit them. There's out, so many but... different ways to mother. And, and, yeah. and I think we see that, you know, I sometimes say the best mother I ever had was a friend of my mother's, a gay man who of course in those days was in the closet. Mm. And so assumed he would never have children. So he gathered children around him, yes. you know, and yes. he took care of them. And he was the person who would send a note who could kind of intuit when I was in trouble and just send a note and make a phone call. And, and, and I felt so ra- wonderfully mothered by him. Do you know what I mean? Just beautifully mothered. And and I often think like, I have a son who's very, you know, he's a mother and people respond to him that way. Mm-hmm. You know, they can feel, he tends all his friends. He, he He's the guy you'll find in the kitchen doing the dishes at the end of the night, you know, mm-hmm. also talking to someone and taking care of them. And, yeah. and, and what would it look like if our young men aspired to be mothers? I don't mean by that by having, like you said, a certain yeah. biological determinism, but what does it mean to occupy that space of loving care in the world? Exactly. Well, okay, so, oh, so much. So many things that you just said <laughs> that I want to underline. I mean, first, just going back to the fact that now we can, you know, expand that to, you know, include the dead and what we can learn from them around mothering and that we've mothered we've mothered each other and we're mothering each other. And this, the layers, you know, you've just added a whole beautiful cosmic layer to it, but what you were just not, and what you were just saying about this mother energy and how we want it, you know, we want men to infuse it and they do and where they, but to honor it. Right. So one it's, we're not in a culture that necessarily honors those aspects even remotely to the extent that they, you know, I believe should be, and that while it's beautiful that we give that mother and energy and take care of others and care so much, the most important person we need to mother is ourselves, right? And that gets And we all lost. feel so, I think we all in this culture feel like we haven't gotten enough mothering. I mean, I know right. I did. Yeah. Right? Like, and one of the reasons I started working with the dead is they show up for me and take care of me. And mm-hmm. finally, I feel like there are enough mothers in the room. I mean, you know, finally, and, and one that's of the how things- many we need, right? I, I don't know how many you're bringing in. 10,000 hands, I want. Yeah. <laughs> I want 10,000 hands. You know, I begin my day, my husband and I begin our day, we have our coffee, you know, our children are grown. So we have this luxury, mm-hmm. lying in bed and having our coffee with the birds in the morning. Mm-hmm. And 
I fret. I am a, a, a worrier. So I begin collecting my worries for the day and making my assignments to the dead. Who's going to take care of them? I, my helpers. I mean, you know, yeah. on the one hand, sometimes I feel like, you know, the housekeeper in Downton Abbey, you know, telling the upper parlor <laughs> what her duties are for the day. You know? On the other hand, I also feel like I have all these friends, all these mothers, all of these companions on the other side who are there to take care of me. So I don't have to be in charge of absolutely everything. That's so, so beautiful. And it, I will say that is another way your book has inspired and moved me. And I have to, I'll be perfectly honest. I feel a little naughty, like doing it, like, you know, that's just old wiring, right? Like, really? I like, I can ask for that kind of help. And, but I, at the same time, I'm like, totally believe it. And, and it's been happening, you know, and just things thinking about, it's also helped like kind of think about those that have passed that I knew well. Right. And like, what were the, those skills, you know, like <laughs> what are the different skills that they had and when could I employ them? And then I know I could ask anyone for anything. And, and I think, you know, but this, there is but something I'm... about the precision of it. There's something about yeah. fun. Okay, right? good. Tell it me is about a that. kind of, there is a kind of art form for asking for help. And that's a lot of what I teach people is, mm. you know, it, it's not just kind of random. You want, first of all, when we're invited to do a job, we know when we're being valued for our skills, right? And it's wonderful to be seen and recognized for our talents. Yeah. So the dead are no different. They want to be recognized for their talents. And so if somebody was really, really, you know, my father was a doctor. When I need help medically, when I have friends who are going under the knife, I know people said my father was a genius surgeon. Like, mm -hmm. And he had beautiful hands. Like, he yeah. could do woodworking and watching him carve the turkey was like an art form. You know, <laughs> he was really. And so whenever I have friends who are having surgery, I always send my father and say, you just keep an eye on everybody. You know what I mean? Like you're really, you're a tough, you're a tough guy. Mm -hmm. You will keep them doing the best work possible. But the other people I call on sometimes, Gertrude, are people who failed in life. Mm. And people who didn't get what they wanted. So for instance, um, two years ago, I got sober from sugar and it oh. was, I, right? <laughs> oh. For me, it was my addiction. You know, mm -hmm. my problems weren't altered substances. They were sugar, which is an altered substance. Mm -hmm. I knew I needed radical sobriety, you know, not gaming it. And my best friend's mother had been an alcoholic who died of alcoholism. Oh, wow. She never got better. She never, she never got sober. And she never met her grandchildren, her beautiful, wonderful grandchildren. And of course, I want to meet my beautiful, wonderful grandchildren. And that's my motivation. And so every morning, I pray to her. Mm -hmm. I have a little conversation with her. She's my sponsor on the other side. Yeah. And yeah, I've been so, and, and 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 not only am I sober, I am now sober in my dreams, Gertrude. Like sometimes somebody will what? offer me. You know, I had this dream after about six months <laughs> into being sugar sober, where the queen invited me to tea and offered me a piece of cake, and I said, "I'm so sorry, <laughs> I, I can't even eat it in my dreams." <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I love that. Well, I love it was the queen, you know, who you oh, right. say I, no How to. could you say no to the queen? Well, right? my mother was, was kind the of ultimate. the queen. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> my mother was I feel like I know queen. your family. I know your family <laughs> so well. You. But yeah, so I, so I looked at people who were really talented and people who were off. Failure is a great teacher. Mm-hmm. And I think then we realized that no life is wasted. No mm-hmm. life is a loss. No life... You know, we have lives where we learn because from the catastrophes and the disappointments. Yeah. And I know that's been my great teachers. Right. And moves us to like take, I mean, only when I was looking at the regret and remorse I had about choices I made in my mothering, did I decide to get my doctorate and teach and train it? Like if it was, I'm like, if it was that hard for me to stay the course in a conscious way to like keep working on myself as I mothered children. Like if I had a hard time with it, cause I, I was a coach, like I was in that environment. This is, this is not an easy thing. And so I totally get what you're saying. It was like out of that, like this regret and remorse isn't going to be wasted. So like that we can do it in our lifetime, but that we can call upon others, you know, who, and I bet, as you said, like they're, I, they're lining up to help us. Like I forget how you say it in the book, but they're, they're wait. They're so waiting to be asked because you have to be asked. They have to be asked. I think, right? Like I don't Dude, know. I mean, like that's true. part of the old lore. And and yeah. you know, I think we're receiving blessings all the time from the other true. side. Yes, the fact that I survived my I survived my <laughs> adolescence because a lot of the dead were making me sure that I got home safely. Let me tell you, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of times I don't think we notice how many. Yeah. You know, call them angels, call them ancestors, are there protecting us, but. I think what happens when we call them by name and is they want intimacy. We all want intimacy, don't we? We mm. all want a relationship and we want to feel known and seen and recognized. And I talk to them all the time. I bring them little presents, you know, my, you know, my mother had Aww. a little trouble with drinking, but I always give her the yes. good verb before we start to teach. <laughs> <laughs> Put like a little glass out for her. on the I altar. do. <laughs> oh. how much this like expands our experience in our world right like i i i'm sure there are people like oh that's a bunch of hooey or you know that are so temporal and you know kind of just in the in the material so i i think there's even space for people who think that way to just expand their thinking expand possibilities i would say put it put it to the test you know, here's the thing. We live in an economy of money. And so we don't always have need for the economy of prayer. And the great prayer in the economy of money is let me please win the lottery, right? Then I'll have enough. Then I'll have everything I need. In fact, what we want to do is think about what we need and begin to work and collaborate with those on the other side to cultivate mm-hmm. it. And we can find that there are ways that things can come to us that are very surprising. So when we need something, Ask for help from the other side and watch what happens and step out of the way. You know, when you, what feels hopeless? I mean, you know, I'll be honest, Gertrude. I have a sister. I don't write much about my siblings. I try to keep their lives separate, but Mm -hmm. she's not someone, she's someone who has adopted my father's atheism and my mother's materialism and would never talk about prayer or, you know, that stuff you do, she calls it, you know, and she called me up the other day to ask for my prayers. Mm. And then she told me they work because she had a miracle happen. Wow. 
And so there will come a moment when you feel like you're in a corner or you're at a dead end or there's no hope. What is the thing you've given up on that you no longer think is possible? One, I'd ask someone on the other side to see what they think. And li- and then listen, right? And then thank you for that reminder. And, and, and look, because message, it does, yeah. the answer doesn't always come the way we imagine the answer is going to come. Exactly. Like, yeah, that's where our responsibility come, comes in to, you know, something just like struck the corner of my eye or this, uh, you know, I mean, and that's something I've been working to cultivate and what I like to try and do in my retreats to help us, you know, kind of cultivate like that opening and that awareness for messages and signs and your, your book helped underline that again, we just need to be a paying attention, you know, to, well, I have a whole chapter about that, about yeah. how do we begin, you know, we have lost our fluency with the language of the other side. Mm-hmm. We don't speak it very much. We forgot, you know, we know hello and goodbye and help. Those are sort of the only number, <laughs> <laughs> right? But the unseen world has its own language and that language is not so different from the language of the natural world. And people used to know that they could be in communication with the birds and the flowers and the trees and the weather. And, and it can, it can be very helpful to become in conversation with the dead. We'll find ourselves in conversation with the whole world again. That's what I find. Now, some people say like, Oh, is that going to make me too kooky? Most people know how to do this mm-hmm. and they don't want to admit it, but they know when the strange bird they've never seen before lands in their backyard, that something's happening. I know that when my my daughter moves into her new home and it's August and there's a patch of forget-me-nots that only bloom in May in our mountains that are wildly in bloom. Like forget, you know, like the land is saying, I haven't forgotten you, right, to her. Mm-hmm. And it's like this message because it's out of sync. You know, yeah. if I have a deer in my backyard, that's it's another that's deer in my backyard. Right. <laughs> there are a lot of deer in my backyard. <laughs> but, 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 you but know, if that deer does something out of the ordinary that day or exactly. walks up to you or I don't know, you know, it just exactly when it's something when like it, that. When it's trying to catch your attention in a new yeah. way, in right. a special way. That's right. So we don't and, want and to I like think, tune that out, but we want to be aware for. And one of the things we want to do is we want to be in conversation with each other so we can help each other look better. Mm. I mean, I knew a woman who father had died and she was heartbroken. He'd been a contractor in the city and she loved him so much. And he went much faster from cancer than she thought he was going Mm. to. And after he died, she moved up to the mountains where I live. And she said she wasn't receiving any messages from him. No dreams, no messages. She just felt like radio silence. And I said, well, you know, maybe we're going to have, you know, we should look around. Maybe there are ways he's communicating with you. You're not seeing. And then later in the conversation, we were talking about our house and we we're talking about putting in splits for air conditioning and blah, 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 blah. We're having, you know, but now we've moved on from the dead to home practicalities. <laughs> and I said, oh, I just got to find a good plumber. She said, you know, it's so impossible to get a plumber in our town. And because it's a tourist town and everyone's yeah. busy. And she said, oh, no, it's not. I just called up, you know, John Kelly the other night and he was over at six o'clock the next morning. I said, at six o'clock the next morning, you got a plumber in this town? She said, it's not hard to get people in this town. Electrician came right <laughs> over. She said, the guy who cleaned my septic, he came over then an hour after I called him. And she starts listing. Oh my gosh. 
all of the ease with which she's cared for her home. And I said, your father has been too busy being your contractor to show up in your (laughs) (laughs) And she got it and burst into tears. And then she started to realize sometimes when things are so easy and Mm -hmm. so wonderful, we don't realize. To think like, oh, I wonder, I wonder who is clearing the way for me for this so we can thank them. Right. I mean, I can always kind of thank, I don't know who you are, but I know you're helping me. Um, But if you want to let me know who you are, go ahead. (laughs) But thinking about like the, these skills and like you were saying, like the getting to know people that you don't think you need to get to know anymore, but you do. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024, and I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. Our relationships are never over. They're not stuck in the past. You know, um, I've been thinking so much lately about the myth, the old Greek myth. I don't know if you know, it's the love story of Orpheus and Eurydice, and he's a musician Mm. and his wife dies 
and he's heartbroken. He just can't play his music anymore. And so the animals are like, oh my gosh, you know, what are we going to do without his music? So they go to the underworld and the king of the underworld says, I'll give you back your wife. You have to come down and get her. And there's only one rule. As you lead her up out of the underworld, you can't look back at her. If you look back at her, you'll lose her. And so he goes down to get her and he can hear her walking behind him. And they're coming up out of the underworld. But he's just not sure she's there. Mm. He can't wait. And he turns around to look back at her and she reaches out a hand and disappears. Uh, the heartbreaking story, right? Yes. And it's but and it was interestingly a story I learned as a little child on Dark Shadows, a soap opera for about vampires when I was like yes. a little girl of three or four. And it just filled me with just like horror, like you could lose someone forever. But I think there's an old warning in the story. And the warning is don't look backwards. Mm. Don't look backwards with regret or resentment. Look forward, look to the new life, mm. look to where you're going. So, you know, I had a lot of resentment and anger at my father when he died. And I could have got I could have gotten stuck in it. It could have become the swamp I got stuck in. Yeah. You know? And instead I started to say, so now what's our relationship gonna be? I am very angry at you. <laughs> I am so angry at you. I cannot even mm -hmm. speak. What are we gonna do about it? How are we gonna yeah. have a relation? How are we gonna heal my anger? And we got to work. And now we have fun together. Now he's my, now he's the, you know, crazy pirate father he could have been. That's so beautiful, Perdita. And I have goosebumps while I've had him like almost constantly through this with what you're sharing. But I, I don't want to forget to say this just because, you know, we're paying attention to everything. I forgot that your father was a surgeon. And so my dad was in World War II, came back. Uh -huh. He had to kind of like take care of the family. His parents were immigrants. Um, so he got his trades in the trades, uh, he was a pattern and model maker, you know, he ended up having his own business and doing well with that, but really smart guy. Like when you describe your father, like he's one that like kind of used it and was out there with it. This was this hidden thing. Like I, there were books on the shelves and records dashed away of his classical music collection, but never like brought that out to us. And one, one time I asked him, so if you didn't have to take care of your family and could have done anything, what would it have been? And what do you think he said? You wanted to be a doctor. A surgeon. <laughs> so I think our I think our dads were brothers. Well, <laughs> you know, and now yeah. he can be a surgeon. And now yeah. he can be a doctor. I'll tell you, can I tell you an amazing story about a guy? Yeah, of course. Guy in my, I grew up in a little town, you know, mm -hmm. tiny little town near Cape Cod. And there was a wonderful ice cream parlor when I was growing up. But the best ice cream. And in the morning, they put out what flavors they'd made the night before. And people go, oh, my God, they have strawberry ice today or whatever. You know, everybody <laughs> run down to have ice cream. Sure. But the man who owned the ice cream parlor was one of the most hateful people you've ever met. <laughs> he was so angry mm. and so upset. And he had this group of women who worked for him. He tortured, he made them wear little hair nuts and little gloves. And he was always yelling at them and they weren't doing anything right. And, and it was the whole ice cream parlor was immaculately clean, like mm -hmm. so clean. And if you dropped a drop of ice cream, he would go into a fury and clean it right up. My father said it was like an operating theater. And one day he jokingly said to the man, Vigo Peterson, you know, 
gosh, I should have you come in and get the operating room theater ready for me. Well, it turned out Vigo had wanted to be a doctor. And he didn't get to be one because his father was an immigrant. He had to take over the family ice cream mm -hmm. business. And he'd been furious ever since. And so my yeah. father started to invite him to come and watch surgeries at the hospital. He oh. Actually, the only person I ever saw, he, the person that he liked was my father. Oh. And one day, long after my father was dead, we were headed to the city with my daughter for a doctor's appointment during COVID. And she, my daughter has a genetic illness, so we see a lot of doctors. Mm -hmm. And those visits are not fun. Mm -hmm. And doctors this are not healers very much in our culture anymore. Yeah, they're, mechanic, and even, they're body mechanics. They're body mechanics. And and I was not going to be allowed to go into the examining room with her because it was COVID. So I thought, oh my God, you know, these doctors erode her confidence. They make her frightened. They, they, they always terrify her. Mm -hmm. On the way down, I'm thinking, Dad, we got to put together the team, you know, and I'm putting all the doctors on the team, his buddies, the nurses. And out of the blue, Gertrude, Vigo Peterson pops into my head. And I think, Vigo, we need sweetness. We need ice cream. We need the magic of ice cream for this doctor's oh visit. Wow. So whatever magic you can bring to this appointment. My daughter came out of this appointment, and this is a miracle, and mm -hmm. said, oh, I love this doctor, mom. She's so nice. And she says, I'm doing everything perfectly. And together, we can really make this work. And that it never it happened. Never happens. Not even and, close. It, and my daughter loves this doctor. And she's one of, I mean, she, other people have written. She turns out to be, she's a gem. But I come home, and I'm on a Zoom meeting. I'm teaching people about working with the dead. And I tell this story. And a woman from Canada says, Vigo Peterson in Marion, Massachusetts? I said, yes. She said, my sister worked for him one summer. And it was the worst summer of her life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she and her girlfriend got this job working at an ice cream parlor near Cape Cod. Which is so fun. Yeah. Oh. And he... He tortured them tortured the way them. he tortured all these women. It had become famous in their family as he was like this ogre, like this monster. And then she said, my sister has got stage four cancer. Do you think it's okay if I put him on the team? I Aww. said, I'm going to hurt. And she called her sister and her sister said, yeah, I'll put him on the team. If I get better, if I get through this, I'll put a picture of him up in my living room. There's a picture of him up in her living room. She got better. <laughs> so he's the doctor so frank your father mm -hmm. and i'm saying this on this radio show saint frank yes. this is how saints happen <laughs> just because he didn't get to be a doctor in life and a doctor who could recognize patterns i'm going to put him on my daughter's team right away like yes. how, that's the skill that doctors don't have anymore um, and working with his hands and yeah the 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 it was a craft you know it was he was making the mold or model that would then be used to, you know, create a ton of like the, that would then get sent to like the, what, what the next layer was um, the plastic mold would be made from it, you know, that and worked a lot for the automotive industry. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of correlations as I think about this that I can find not even just directly, but I have to t share like the image that came when you said like, you know, this we can save them and i 
when I when you said that Saint Frank, but I thought in my mind Saint Francis, and I love Saint Francis of Assisi. I just think I only heard good things about him. You never, you know, like I I, used I always to think like he Saint was Patrick Jesus come back. I, I know, um, <laughs> but this funny thing that when you said that, because I'm like, oh, you know, he, you just think of him with like animals, like like loving him. My dad in this lifetime, like. His mom had they had had a ton of animals. He always would say like they got they got the the kindness and the treatment and none of us did. So he, him and animals like no no no. But this is what would happen for Dita. It's like whenever there was an animal around, they'd come right to him. Animals and children. He'd always be like, oh, keep them away. But they they would like beeline and gravitate right to him. You know, I think if your father, you said, he, you know, he came through World War II. I mean, that generation of men, no one knew about PTSD. No one knew how to help them metabolize what they'd seen. You know, no wonder so many of them came out atheists. And right. That's what he said. He's like, how can I value life when it was like so expendable? It didn't matter. And I just think that, you know, you know, to call on them, you know, they saw the worst that human beings can do to each other and to help protect us. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I call on those people to help protect us from being the worst. You know, yeah. keep us from world wars again. Keep us, you know, I know I have a a, a student who's, I think it was her great grandfather or grandfather had worked at Los Alamos. Mm-hmm. And together we formed a prayer that she says to him every day to make sure that nuclear bombs are never used again. Beautiful. So what do you, you know, what do you do? You know, yeah. he was a scientist looking for a job, you know, it was the project, you know, we can call on people in all kinds of ways to help. You know, oh, I had a student. No, keep, yeah, go. Uh, a student last just... night who, you know, she was in Savannah and the hurricane uh, was at Idalia was headed right towards them. And she had been through Katrina. So she was very panic stricken and hurricanes don't usually hit Savannah. So they weren't really ready and they hadn't evacuated. And so she started calling on her Cuban grandmothers to protect her. And then she remembered that they were devoted to St. Barbara. And so she looked up St. Barbara, who is a protector from storms. So she starts lighting candles to St. Barbara and her grandmothers. And she said she was watching the path of the storm and it was headed right towards them. And then she said the part that was supposed to come hit Savannah just dissipated and fell away. I mean, this is old magic. You could hear this and say, oh, it doesn't work. But if you're stuck in the eye, you know, if the storm is headed your way, just remember you can call on and ask for some help. Yeah. Well, and that's why I love that that your book's called Take Back the Magic, right? It's how we've just gotten into this. I'm going to use the term, you know, masculine, but like yang way of of seeing the world and living in the world and it's obviously hurting us and that's something I know you and Clark are you know so aware of through your experiences uh, how we're on the brink of climate disaster this is important for us and it's really like the bigger message in my work and book is like if we don't start mothering ourselves and each other and bringing this energy like we are not going to make it right. But that starts a person at a time and it starts us exploring and raising awareness and being willing to like break sacred cows and yes, and dismantle patriarchal, you know, uh, constraints that we've all been complicit in for 6,000 years. So, you know, it, 
doesn't we're all going to each find our own way to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're each going to find our little patch of garden that we tend, right? We're each going to, and we don't know what's going to matter. You know, I am, um, I'm entranced by this British musician, Sam Lee, who goes and sings with the nightingales who are going extinct in England. He's mm-hmm. a musician and he invites other musicians to come out and listen to the nightingales and sing with them. And they're going extinct and they probably will go extinct. But he just says, why you know, we're going to learn their song and learn to sing with them. Mm. And sometimes I think, you know, you don't know what will happen. Maybe those nightingales will have a new spirit of resilience and hope. Yeah. And, and he's mothering them, you know, he's the mother of the nightingales and, and, and we don't know what we're the mother of. We're not who we tend and how we help things. And like you said, we don't know, we're not, I don't think we're going to like solve climate change, but we're going to, we can take this moment as an opportunity to begin to learn how to collaborate with the unseen world again. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I, I, I totally agree. And, and it's the natural world, right. And it's, it's so, I, I, I thought of things like Narnia when I was reading your book and stuff, you know, and uh, oh, I love Narnia. Well, of of, I, right. It's, <laughs> Of course, the animals can talk to us, you know, but now I love C.S. Lewis. And, you know, I I I just love him. I love him. I mean, with my whole heart. Mm -hmm. And I think my absolute favorite book in the whole world is Prince Caspian by C.S. Lewis. I don't know if you remember that one. The children have it's after the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Yeah. And the children find themselves back in Narnia. But Narnia has fallen asleep. And they, people, human beings have silenced the world Mm. and the talking animals no longer speak and the trees no longer speak and dance and the children come to help Narnia wake up again, which is Mm. mostly the human beings learn how to listen again to the animals, to the trees, even the rivers and the waters. And they, they bring Narnia back to life and stop the war. And if I have a book that is my motto for how I live, it's that. Mm. I pray every morning to St. Lucy and she's St. Lucy, you know, the, the saint with her eyeballs on her hands. She's the the patron saint of psychics because she sees with her third eye, not her. She sees with her hands, not her eyes, but she's also St. Lucy who's C.S. Lewis's Lucy, who's the child light of light who can go in and awaken the world again. And I always say, St. Lucy, help me separate intuition from fear. Mm-hmm. Help me see and hear with the eyes and ears of the dead again and guide me back into a world where the animals talk, the trees dance, mm-hmm. and I know there's magic in the world. Here, here. I just want to take that in. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, it, it's so easy and like times like this, like, well, how much more can we cram into our time together? (laughs) And it's all there. It's all, um, you know, possible and available. And I know I've, I think I, if I didn't feel responsible to be leading the show would actually be sobbing through it. So, so much is like touching me so deeply and it has in all of your work. And I, I want to name some of that. And I want to hear from you about your course, the book, the, the way of the rose foundation. I didn't even get to talk about how much 
that work and saying the rosary and all of that has been a part of my year and my life and particularly around my daughter's wedding. Um, unbelievable. We'll have a separate conversation on that. I have shared some of that on my show, but uh, you two are the instigators of that. But uh, what just all of the things that you can speak about so people know what you're up to and what you're doing. Well, my work is really simple. Um, it's the dead are real and we can collaborate with them. There, I've given you the message. That's it in a nutshell. <laughs> and, but I often say it's like making bread. You just take flour and water and mix them together and that's how you make bread. It's hard to get a sourdough starter going sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why there I offer work. So that's yeah. why I sometimes offer workshops and and the, why I've written my book. And um, there are a lot of different ways to join the conversation with me about the unseen world. I have a website. I just went live, Take Back the Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I offer a lot of different workshops, you know, weekend introductions, year-long intensives. There's something for everyone at every right. price point in every different way. I'm trying, they're free events. They're all different kinds of things. Beautiful. Also have a Substack, takebackthe.com. And I write a free Substack where you can just read my essays about the dead and be in conversation. I also offer a paid Substack. And uh, that's a way for me as making a living as a writer in this new world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very, it's only $10 a month and that gets you two free essays mm-hmm. and invitation to a private Zoom conversation about the unseen world. Oh. So that is also a way to join the conversation. So takebackthemagic.com, take back the magic on Substack. And of course I'm on Facebook and Instagram and all those mm-hmm. things and doing a lot of events. But we'll um, that. and my husband we'll and I, that. the way of the rose.org and the way of the rose on Facebook, which is a hundred percent free community for praying for our heart's desire. Mm-hmm. And at every rosary circle at way of the rose, we do call in the dead at the end of the, mm-hmm. at the prayers and people, everyone is invited to call in the dead. I love it. So beautiful. Thank you. And thank you and your husband and your family <laughs> for bringing yourselves, you know, out there and, and bringing, you know, this awareness, much, much needed, you know, awareness to our all that is, is such a huge gift, right? Like it's, it, and no matter what, I know we, we actually talked a lot more about fathers than mothers, but I think it was pretty clear that we were talking about, you know, mothering in all of it. Um, and I want to underline that message that we've all been each other's mothers. We are each other's mothers. We all mother and raising our awareness around that can be uh, really life enhancing. And, you know, it just happens to change the world too. <laughs> just have, I, Like I say, I'm happens. waiting for that moment when you ask a 13 year old boy what he wants to be in our culture. And he says, I just want to be a good mother. Yes. There we oh, go. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That's if I can mother well in my life, then I am good to go. Oh, right. That's so beautiful. Well, I know I asked you and Clark this way back when, but I still ask it at the end of any one of my episodes, which is what does rewrite the mother code mean to you? To me, it's a remembering. It's a remembering that there are enough mothers going around that I have enough mothers in the world so that I can be well mothered, not just my biological mother. But there are mothers beyond measure, not just human mothers, but animal mothers and plant mothers, all kinds of mothers 
who are sending me blessings, whether I recognize it or not. And I want to receive their love so that I can be a mother in the world. And remember that I've been the mother of everyone I meet. Even when I meet people, I want to send to their room. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes I need to be that mother that sends them to their room. That's the mother we have to be in the world. <laughs> right. We need that tough love, that Kali mothering, you know, yeah. creative, destroy, destructive, protective, and all, you know, all of we our We have power. children. We know mothers. the moments that sometimes you have to, you, the mother is a person has to say the hard things, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. That means so much to me, uh, Perdita, and I'm so excited and looking forward to continuing exploring. Uh, I, I know I'm going to be exploring even more of your things because they bring me, you know. Well, my next book so is explicitly about the mother and um, oh. maybe you may be the first person I asked to read it if that's okay. Absolutely. Are you kidding? Yep. And yeah, I'll believe me, I'll be sharing along the way my book with you too, because, you know, but, I, I oh. want that. Your, your perspective means so much to me. Thank you. Well, I, I, you know, I feel so aligned with your work and so want to, you know, thank you for it. Thank you for everything you're doing in the world. Absolutely. Okay. Till next time. So I'm not even <laughs> going to say goodbye, but till next time. <laughs> thank you so much, Gertrude. Wow. Okay. Well, I just hung up with Perdita because we talked for another 20 minutes. I know I've shared on the podcast, but I had to share with her how much her work has inspired me, um, has had just a very, very deep impact uh, on how I'm operating in the world. And really, I think living more true to my divine feminine or to the feminine, to the yin aspects of myself, and this whole new level of connecting with my ancestors and those that have gone before and asking for help. And so much feels in in sync, you know, the synchronicities are, are so, so there. And I just shared with her all that went down around my daughter's wedding and how much her and Clark's work around the way of the rose and his work awakening to the dark that really brought to light, like the depth of work that I did around my daughter's wedding and getting up in the middle of the night and saying the rosary and walking around and saying the rosary and and how much those prayers brought me exactly what I needed in those moments and helped me create the bridal blessing and, and the how, you know, once the wedding was over, I'm sleeping through the night and I kind of missed those times. And then she said, oh my gosh, that's so much what I needed to hear because I haven't been sleeping because her book coming out on Tuesday, because one of the messages that I got when I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'd start saying the rosary is a message that I felt came pretty direct from that Mary energy, which was, you know, sweetie, I'm, I'm not, this isn't a sleep aid. You're not doing this to go back to sleep. You're up so I can, we can be together and I can be with you. Um, and this is just a time to be and let me tend to you. Let me care for you. Let me hold you. And I did. And it made just such an immense difference. And so much of what I'm just kind of digging into with the book right now and experiences I'm having, because you're listening to these episodes with Elizabeth Toison and some of my own healing that's happening around, you know, being a new mom and, and birth is that we don't have to be alone. And I had felt so alone. And this adds a whole nother layer to it of 
where and how I don't, we don't, we aren't alone and we don't have to be alone. But particularly also want to underline like what it takes to break down some of our barriers, what it means to raise awareness and be open to messages, to be open to nourishment that doesn't come in necessarily always all the traditional ways, but those two, and just how much mothering we need when we're mothering a lot in our world. And there's particular times and having, when you just have a baby or you just start a new business and, or you just, you know, you, you wrote the book and then you launch it and, you know, aspects like that, that we need even more support than we could dream that we think that we need ever um, more, more, more. Uh, and how do we open up to that? How do we open those messages? So it's what I love to do. I love, you know, working it in my life, but then I love sharing with others that process and um, how you can do it and bring it into your own life and do it for yourself. So I want that so much for you. Um, so please feel free if it's through coaching with me or uh, any and all the ways that uh, you can feel this way and, and have this level of support and resources in your life. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Rewrite the Mother Code. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, to find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com and sign up for my newsletter. I'll see you next time.